1: Want to help save lives? Work at Alchemy, one of the fastest growing drug development and manufacturing companies in the world. Alchemy has openings in our plants across the Carolinas, including Charleston, a great place to work and play. Enjoy a signing bonus, free health and more. Visit workatalchemy.com.
2: This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored
3: by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations.
2: So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned With their 15-year parts and labor warranty, plus guaranteed financing, they have made it
3: possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500.
2: And tell them you heard about this deal on 1075 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you
0: need us. AAA Heating and Air. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an
3: invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the recent Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude
2: in
0: the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home, home of, of the, the Gamecocks. Gamecocks. 1075, the game. The game.
4: A minute after 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. It's the GameCock Central takeover hour here on 1075 the game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark here with you. Just uh, about two or three minutes away from talking to Shelly Smith, South Carolina, South Carolina head women's soccer coach. They have one. The SEC tournament, they're a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to her about her team's season, the tournament run, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Chris, inform me as well that it is signing day for women's soccer, so we'll get her thoughts on future recruiting. I, I, maybe, I don't know, will she be able to talk about stuff? It's always like if borderline. If they are, if they yeah, are if they signed, signed, she can talk about but it. But if it's like still in the process of being faxed, if like know, if it's the <laughs> slowest fax in the world, that the, picture of Kaiser Soze, I mean, Y'all seen yeah, no, Suspects? The fax machine has been packed up. Yeah,
3: they, they don't destroyed. really do that anymore. That's good. Like office space.
4: I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and uh, I was like, yeah, can can I can I send this to you? And they were like, well, you can fax it to me. I was like, do you have an email address? And they were like, you can fax it to us. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, you're just not getting this. Shut down. Yeah. Do you have a carrier pigeon also? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's like a... Uh, I don't know. Like, like having the green text messages is a great way of saying like, don't text me. I feel like <laughs> maybe having a fax machine is like whatever you're going to send me. I don't want it because they probably know that most people aren't going to fax it. Right. More than likely. You know how to fax. Yes. It's a skill that I'm trying to erase out of my okay. two box, Yeah. No, right. I, I don't say that specifically to age you, but I'm trying to figure out <laughs> what the cutoff is. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> does. Wait, it no, does you're older you. than Chris, right? This Barely. is a great.
5: Barely. Uh, <laughs> Chris, have you sent the fax before? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, Wes, have you sent the fax before? I don't know if I. Oh, I, I, no, 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 no. I have Younger sent a fax. I don't Wes think is, I've yeah.
3: physically okay. been the one to be like beep, beep, beep,
4: beep, beep. Pearson, have you? I've not sent a fax.
3: <laughs> we used to fax for my parents' business. Um, they had a bakery deli, so we, we would have to fax sometimes. I've asked someone to fax something for me.
2: Here's the truth. Wait, your test. family had
4: a bakery deli? We did in Anderson. That's incredible. Was, I need to hear more about that. that. But you were going to say something else, so, too.
3: Has anybody here dialed? on a rotary phone
4: ever yes yes i have to. yeah okay. we, we used one as a prop in a play one time
3: i was gonna say there was no way yours was an actual call no
4: mine actually got <laughs> someone on the other end
6: me like, too.
3: my grandmother had my one. Grandma, it, looked, yeah. it looked like a tel- it looked like an airplane it makes the noise you're... that <laughs> it's super cool yeah i, I kind of like the old rotary phone not gonna lie it was really cool. can't send a text on one of those <laughs> trying to hit the button like i want to bring it out i wonder if I don't know where that thing would have gone. My, my grandmother's passed away since then. But somebody has to have it. And I would like to bring it out and just put it in front of my kids and be like,
5: y'all figure this thing out. There's See about, if you can figure it what out. What is this? What do we do with this thing? Do we, uh, do we play with it? Do we? I don't know. That'd be a really tough, tough. How old how are the, the kids? Well, they'll be my youngest will be
3: seven actually in just a few days. And the oldest one will be eight. In yeah, they'd they
5: have they'd have no chance.
3: They'd be trying to like hit the <laughs> buttons and and text on it. How yeah, do you send a text? There's,
5: there's no chance because technology moves so fast. My uh, my baby's three, and she, I have the cheap computer in the house, and so she can't figure out why it doesn't touch screen. She's <laughs> she's hitting it like, why is this thing not moving? And I'm like, yeah, there's keys, and you know, so she wouldn't even know what to do with a mouse. You know what I'm really? saying? I don't think they so. They have the touchpad. Yeah, so, they use the Chromebook. Well yeah. does she does she use the Chromebook? I mean, not as much as I try not to but she gets it every now and then. But yeah, it's uh technology if you wanna just know how how old you are, just look at technology as how quick it moves past you and how hard you have to try and keep up with it.
4: We won't ask our next guest if uh, she has ever sent a fax, um, although that used to be the lifeblood of recruiting. But we're really happy now to have with us Shelly Smith, the South Carolina head women's soccer coach, fresh off of an SEC tournament win against Alabama, the number one seed in the tournament. Coach, first of all, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, how, how does it feel? Is, are you still, it, it's been three days now, are, are y'all still celebrating the win or have you completely moved on?
6: <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah we are moving on <laughs> we're in the ncaa tournament so man that focus goes quickly to um preparing for your next game so i guess it's uh you know you, you definitely enjoy the the championship as long as you can um but now that we know our next opponent we're um definitely moving on to prepare for that
4: well and coach let me just ask you too because obviously it was a really good regular season uh for your team but you do come into the tournament uh, the sec tournament anyway as the two-seed, Alabama was expected to be the favorite there. I guess still a one-seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but when, when you go into a tournament like that, it's been a really good season for you. Do, do you and your team, do you all play as if you're favorites, or do you still act like you know maybe there's like a, there's a chip on the shoulder, there's an underdog mentality to embrace there? <laughs>
6: Yeah, I think, um, I think we definitely embraced the underdog mentality um, coming in, and I think that's helpful. It's sometimes a little, it's, it's nicer when you're not expected to be the one, and um, it, it does give you a little bit of an edge to prove yourself. Um, and I felt like we brought that with us to that tournament. Um, we earned the two seed by winning the East, um, and that was a great accomplishment just to start, to, to finish the regular season. Um, and we had let ourselves down a couple games in the regular season um, where it was so close to even being a two seed. So we, we had pushed hard in the end of the season to earn that. And then um, to go into that tournament, we knew we wanted to win a, a title. Um, since we missed out in the regular season, our players just had that determination, and they were you know, ready to to try to knock Alabama off knowing that they were the favorites for sure.
2: Hey, Coach, it's Wes. I appreciate you doing this, and uh, congrats again. So I I know coming into the season, your team kind of had a combination, it seemed like, of some returning veterans that uh, I would think have kind of taken ownership of your program while also you were trying to, uh, you know, implement some some newcomers. How have you seen this team as they've sort of played through that SEC schedule just kind of, um, I I would say, just come along and, and sort of gel together as this season has progressed now going into postseason?
6: Yeah, I think um, it, that's actually a great point that you bring up because that's probably been the difference for us um, down the road here. Um, w- we knew coming in the season, we had some really strong talent um, returning, but also joining the program and it took some time for us to really gel as the group and, and, and really find some consistency in our play overall and um and through the SEC season, it, it became much much cleaner as a group um, as we made our way towards the end of the season, and that's that's what you want to see out of a team. And so they they did not peak early; they were they were still working on things and, and trying to figure each other out. And um, and it's hard for freshmen to come in and jump in and and <laughs> figure out college, a new team, uh, a new level of, of play. Um, all at once, and uh, our, our players have, have done a great job to adjust as well as the seniors that they're responsible for leading those players too. And um, and they, they've all done a great job to come together and really be playing their best at this time of the year.
2: Again, we're joined by South Carolina women's soccer coach Shelly Smith. Uh, coach, I'm curious, so it's Wednesday morning, obviously, as we're talking to you. What does this week look like for y'all just from a scheduling standpoint leading up to Saturday How much of the approach is more of like, you know, just kind of mental walkthroughs and and just getting ready for your opponent versus, um, you know, I I don't like how how hard do y'all practice this week, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Is it more of like a a mental side of things while kind of easing up physically or is it still kind of, um, you know, you're you're all in as far as leading up to, to that Saturday?
6: Yeah. You know, I think, um, depending on how teams are, uh, will, will or their philosophy will be different. But for us, you know, we just came off a week that was long. It was, it's wearing to be on the road and play three games in that short amount of time. And so we're in a point where we need to recover probably more than anything. And so, um, today will be our first training back, um, on the field since uh, Sunday and, and uh, just trying to regroup, see where we're at. We've got some players that got some knocks during the tournament and just played through some really, you know, tough minutes. And um, so we're, we're going to bring some players back. We're going to um, be able to push the ones that, that didn't get to play as much and um, just a combination of that. And then kind of focus on the continuing to play, um, but much more lighter, probably weak than normal just because of what we went through last week.
3: Coach, uh, Chris Clark here. I wanted to go back to that win over Alabama, and I was at the uh, celebration, uh, the watch party the other day for the NCAA tournament, and heard some of the players and, and you guys talking about that game and just how much fun it was and how you know exciting it was. Obviously, a very close, tight game up until the end, but a couple key plays there, maybe from players that I guess maybe are a little bit more of unsung heroes uh, with your team. I just wanted to get you to, Discuss a couple of those plays. Number one, uh, Brianna. I think that was her first goal of her career. Is that right? Uh, So just maybe break down or the season.
6: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's probably it could be her first goal. Um, She is uh, a junior for us, who is a a great player, and she really took um, some things she needed to work on and applied it, and something clicked this season, honestly, where she. She just uh, has been on fire this, this during the SEC play, um, and you know she's someone that's always worked so hard and focused, and such technical ability. And she had to really continue to raise her level of play to, to compete um, in this level uh, athletically, physically, uh, the speed of play, everything. And 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 um, she really uh, focused on what she needed to do, and and she was rewarded with starting halfway through the season here um, where she wasn't consistently starting. She became a full starter for us and then was a roller with a goal at a very key moment for us. Um, but she's she's capable and put herself in those situations and that's why she's earned that starting role here um, halfway through the season and, and done a great job for us in the midfield.
3: The other play that really stood out was right at the end of the game, you know, hanging on there at the end, uh, you get a great save uh, by your keeper and then uh this this was featured i think on sec networks twitter actually and picked up a lot of views abby hugo comes in with a a mm-hmm. sliding save there at the end
6: yeah oh yeah that um that was a great uh amazing play honestly it it, it, it that just shows you the the team effort it takes to not um you know to win a championship really um that, that team effort defensively um you know, Abby came in the game off the bench and just gave us a huge lift. Um, and to come through like she did, to slide, to block that last shot, where it really looked like they had a great opportunity there with the last um, few seconds of the game. And, and she thwarted that and um, was rewarded uh, you know, it, it just showed that you have to all be in. And her sliding save was a great example of the effort that it takes um, to, to, to win that championship. Um, and, and great credit to her the game before she had um, been a little bit distraught and gave up a handball that led to the uh, PK for Georgia. And it was just an unfortunate bounce and really nothing she could have probably done. And so I was so glad to see her come back and be able to, to kind of finish off that game and, and, and really help uh, win the championship.
2: Coach, I know obviously most of the focus is, I'm sure, on the NCAA tournament. But today is signing day, recruiting always, the lifeblood of any college program. Um, I I know you probably can't talk about all of them. I guess some of them already have sent in their letters of intent. But just Mm -hmm. in general, um, how important is signing day always? And how do you feel about the group you have coming in? They're going to be future Gamecocks for you.
6: Yeah. um very excited. Um, I, I think this, this current class we have, you know, I think was one of our best, best classes we've ever put together. And then um, coming in, we were just building on that We're the we're key pieces, there's some players that fill some roles. Like we, uh, we lose some important players in our um, current team as seniors and fifth year seniors and captains. And, you know, you need players that continue to come in and, and, and step into those roles and, we have some freshmen that, that are signing – well, we'll be freshmen uh, next year signing currently as seniors that uh, I think will come in and be able to step right in just like a couple of our freshmen did this year to, to take huge places for us in the starting lineup and, and give us big minutes. So that's, that's exciting for us um, to know we have that kind of potential in that class. And, uh, you know, and even if they don't come in and start right away, they, they have that ability to – be a huge impact in the program over their four years and so that's where I do believe this class um, has that will have that impact and very excited to see um, them come in together and and continue to to you know help us compete for championships like we did uh, this week
4: Well, Coach, one more thing before we uh, let you go, since I don't get to talk as much soccer as I would like to on this show anyway, but the World Cup right around the corner, (laughs) that's going to be right in the middle of y'all's tournament run as well. And with a few international players on the team, especially USA, England, in the same group here, that game's coming up on the 25th, have you started to see any sort of, like, uh, I don't know, like competitive, like, jibing or or anything like that emerging between some of your players in practice?
6: (laughs) No, no, I think they've... um... They've really just been focused on what they're dealing with, um, and uh, but everyone's excited, to obviously, uh, be watching um, you know soccer on the, the top stage uh, when we get to that point. But no, they they've uh, they're pretty much focused on what they're trying to do here, and, and obviously classes and making up for missing a week of school. And there's a lot going on, um, but they they are focused on on doing what they can, and we have players that are you know, looking to enter the draft and, and uh, they're always following the, the premier leagues and um, watching the NWSL and watching our former players compete there. So they definitely have their eye on that always, but uh, they've been pretty focused on what they're trying to do here to, to try to keep their season
4: going as long as they can. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And what's already a busy time of year is is even busier with this World Cup kind of stuck in the middle of November, which is I I just have such mixed feelings about. But anyway, Coach, we appreciate the time today. We know you got a (laughs) tournament to prepare for, so we will let you go. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to you and your team, and we'll catch up with you down the line. All right,
6: thank you so much.
4: That's South Carolina head women's soccer coach Shelly Smith. South Carolina getting started here in the NCAA tournament. Just a few days uh, after winning the SEC tournament, a really another another really good season for Shelly Smith & Co. Appreciate her time. Um, appreciate Wes for getting her um, on the line for us there. 803-404-6100. We'll turn our attention back to some South Carolina football in just a few. Wes and Chris have yet to answer my poll question. I'm going to put their feet to the fire on this one. For those of you that haven't voted
1: yet. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help and it's worth taking a minute to look into. Medishare 65 Plus. Medishare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, Medishare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare Open Enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 800 Psalm 16 That's 800-P-S-A-L-M-16. 800 psalm 16 Want to help save lives? Work at Alchemy, one of the fastest-growing drug development and manufacturing companies in the world. Alchemy has openings in our plants across the Carolinas, including Charleston, a great place to work and play. Enjoy a signing bonus, free health care, and more. Visit workatalchemy.com.
4: i Pearson Fowler. You can let me know how many more wins you think Carolina needs in the regular season for this year to be considered a success.
0: It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The, the game. game.
4: 23 minutes after 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you, and appreciate Shelly Smith for taking some time out of her busy schedule as she gets her team ready for an NCAA tournament run. For those of you that missed that interview, you can catch it on the podcast page, 1075thegame.com, or the app, whatever's easiest for you. Uh, a lot of good thoughts on her team. What's well, been a very, very good season, and just getting started in terms of the things that they want to accomplish. Uh, with that in mind, coming back to some South Carolina football, Shane Beamer had his weekly press conference yesterday, started to preview Florida. We'll dig into that, I guess, a little more earnestly tomorrow. I really wanted to stick kind of big picture here, with my poll question, uh, how many more regular season games does Carolina need to win for you to consider this season a success? Shane Beamer was asked about that yesterday, said all the right things. Not not that specifically, but it was like, hey, you're bowl eligible. Like, do you talk about that as an accomplishment? It's like, yeah, we're glad we're bowl eligible, but it's not what we want to do. And, you know, saying the right things. Uh, but I'll put it to you two guys. Now, Preston and I have given our answers. We have each agreed of the four options. None. Season's already success because you made a bowl. You need one more win, you need two more wins, or you need to win all three. Chris, what will make this season a success for you?
3: I think one. Um, <laughs> would somebody out there really say it has to, has
4: to be three? Four uh, percent of people have said that. <laughs>
5: yeah,
3: Was that you? <laughs>
4: yeah, no, <just laughs> Not me. Not me. That, I, I planted my flag firmly in one. Now,
3: that might be, I, I wonder, whoever the four percenters are, I wonder if that's more <laughs> of like you have to win. Like they're taking the big picture of, hey, I came in thinking that this team w- needed to win nine games, or they're looking at it going, they've won six, and here's what's ahead. Does that make sense? Because Th- yeah. there's a difference. Like, yeah.
5: So if you thought you if you thought the team was going to win, should have won nine games. You're going to just hold on to like, that. Like they should
3: have beaten um, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Like coming into the year. You should have done what you've done, and you should have beaten Arkansas, and Missouri, and now you just need one more. Okay. Or, hey, I don't care if they're playing, you know, two fringe playoff teams and Florida on the road. They still need to win nine, and that's my expectation. it's it's
4: funny. I I hadn't thought about that, but I did. I did think, like, the purpose of this was almost kind of how do you adjust your expectations for what you've actually seen during the season? But I was almost thinking in the other way. Like, there are probably a lot of people that in August said – yeah, this team's probably going to be six and six. The schedule's a little bit tougher. You might get a little bit better. And, and if you felt like on August 15th, this team was going to be six and six, you might be inclined to say the team has already succeeded because they did what you wanted them to. But like the point of this exercise for me is allow yourself to, to move the sticks in the middle of the season if you need to. And Carolina has three more football games. I, th- I think it's fair to expect them to win one more, even if they're tough games.
3: I, I think that's fair. I mean, I kind of rank them. Uh, I don't know if anybody cares, but... Uh, I I'm, do. That was my follow-up. Okay, so I've got at Florida as the most winnable. Cool. And then Clemson on yeah. the road, actually, and then Tennessee.
4: Okay, so... Uh, so From
3: a matchup standpoint.
4: Adjacent question, though, because you're going winnable, and I agree with mm-hmm. that. Well, if if Carolina is going to win one more football game, what is the best game for that to be? Oh, the Clemson game. For
3: sure? Absolutely. Okay. A road game against Clemson? Preston and I both went Florida. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair.
4: I feel like that represents, like, in 2019, Carolina beating Georgia didn't mean that they were better than Georgia. Carolina beating Clemson this year wouldn't mean that they're better than Clemson. It would just mean they were better on that day. If Carolina beats Florida for the second year in a row, I think you can start to say, all right, Carolina is in the same way that Missouri has beaten Carolina four years in a row and probably feels like they're a better program. I think you can feel like you have made that progress relative to one of your East opponents or East rivals.
5: I I I think it's Florida. Mm-hmm. However, with the idea of Clemson if we're talking about building narratives and what that could mean for prospective programs that does change the way people see maybe both the programs. Hmm. Uh so so I do think it's Florida but if you say Clemson I think there's the two answers are either Florida or Clemson. I'm not sure how much the Tennessee
4: game Matters. Yeah, Car- Carolina needs matters, to not lose that game by twenty five points. That that's a wh- that's
5: where I'm. That's where I'm at, and I know that sounds like a loser mentality, but it's, it's honestly not. It really is not. But I would just like to see, uh, because because of Tennessee's offense, the any game they play has a chance to get out of control mm-hmm. quickly, and that would be especially deflating. We're not even there yet, so yeah. I don't even know why. I'm, I'm, I don't, <laughs> I'll save that for next
4: week. Okay, okay. Wes, how many more wins does this team need, if any?
2: I feel like I have two answers. One of them is all right, so here's the thing. I'm I'm looking at each individual three games left. Um South Carolina is gonna be a massive underdog in all three. So I, I do think it is it is going to be
4: tough realistically to expect them to win one. I think so too um do you what florida's five and four they're a nine point favorite they're five and four is florida nine points better than south carolina right now in your opinion from a matchup standpoint yes
2: okay. absolutely because okay. uh, look look at what vanderbilt was able to do on the ground against south carolina mm-hmm. and then look at what florida can do on the ground like it is they're, they're gonna they're gonna have to score 30 something points to win this game
4: right so on paper and and I'm I'm always the one making the argument on paper, but shouldn't you just like if you're a South Carolina fan or you're someone that's that's mapping the future of the progress of this program, the progress of the future of this program? Carolina's six and three, Florida's five and four. Like you should be able to go win that football game regardless of what the matchups dictate. You should find a way to win that football game.
2: The games aren't played by records. Like games are played by human beings on the field, and they're dictated by the matchups. Like I, you know, you want to talk. We talk about playing to a score, and you know, on this show, the the score for this game that you're going to have to play to is much higher than um, than certainly the stretch of a And M, Kentucky, and Missouri, in my opinion. So, can can South Carolina now? The 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 one thing on paper that I think will give a fan some hope is that. This is not a good Florida defense. Mm -hmm. Like they really are not. They've given up a bunch of yards. They've given up a bunch of points. Um, You know, if you can, there's a path to to see South Carolina going and doing some of the same things they successfully did at Vandy,
4: at Florida. Or even to Florida last year.
2: Yeah, to an extent. And um, you know, I I think uh, like of of the three, this is I would say by far the most winnable game. But I I can't look at Florida and say. Oh, they're five and four. That means South Carolina should be able to win this game because the matchups say that is just yeah, not it's true. A,
4: so you're right. It's it's not played on paper. It's not played you know by the record. And the matchups do matter when you're talking about a football game. But when you're when you're talking about Carolina needing to get better, I'm not going to say this is a game that Carolina should win. I don't think they will win. When I submit my pick to Colin either later today or tomorrow, it's probably going to be for Florida to win. And, and honestly, probably to cover the spread. Just just because I don't really believe in this team right now. But for them to to kind of turn a corner and prove that they're better than they were last year. I feel like this is the kind of game. I, I, I Is it stupid, Preston, to say, like, match up aside? Like, you should just go beat a team that you're roughly equivalent with? You ready? Showtime.
0: On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
4: We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy
3: margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
5: No, it's not stupid to say that. But the way Wes laid laid out that argument... I'm I'm a little bit more persuaded by that. Hmm.
4: So so if you're that easily, I guess game planned against or ma- like killed by a matchup, like maybe you're just not that good. Well, I think
5: that. <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's where we are. I don't think Florida's that good either. But the thing that they are good at happens to be what we've shown to not be good at. Also, yeah. So that's where I guess the styles makes fights idea so it comes along. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have to score some points, but I
2: I think um yeah to to. Uh, Here's the thing. If South Carolina can find a way to win one of these games, and really, you know, I can rank them, but I don't think anybody's going to get picky about which one it is. If, you know, a win over Florida, massive in its own right. win over Tennessee is a national story and knocks them out of the playoff for good. And a win over Clemson ends a streak where they have dominated you as a program. So any of the three um, may be created equal in some ways because I think, um, because then you are... You you do need one to fill that step forward as a program. I just I don't know if one is realistic, but if you could get it, um, you know now you're talking about a chance to get eight in a bowl game, and it's something you can really point to as far as the perception of your program. And I, I think um, you know to get six would just kind of feel like well, it's kind of it's kind of what they did last year. Uh,
4: Chris Chris has a counterpoint. We got to save it though. Let's do it. Hold that thought. Write it down. I don't want you to forget. 803-404-6100. Chris is a very fast writer. More thoughts. What game does Carolina need to win?
1: Want to help save lives? Work at Alchemy, one of the fastest growing drug development and manufacturing companies in the world. Alchemy has openings in our plants across the Carolinas, including Charleston, a great place to work and play. Enjoy a signing bonus, free health care, and more. Visit workatalchemy.com.
4: If you believe they need to win one of these final three for the season to be a success. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse
0: Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game.
4: 11.38 Wednesday morning. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Welcome back in. Pearson, Preston, Wes. Chris here with you. Talking a lot of Carolina football here as the Gamecocks get ready to take on Florida. The most winnable, likely, of their remaining three games. Actually, you know, you gave your list, Chris, and, and I, I, I like it, and I agree with it. Is it worth evaluating a little more today? Is is Florida actually the most winnable game left on the schedule? Or is it the uh, the Clemson fence? Because they don't have any, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's...
3: Yeah, it's the Florida game.
4: Huh? It's still Florida to me. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think Clemson's defense is a little better. Um, but no one in the Clemson-Carolina game is going to score more than 10 points, so the game will always be within reach. Don't agree with that. Really? Yeah, Clemson I will score. I saw Clemson
3: be pretty not good on offense last year and scored 30.
4: Yeah. Because they ran the ball. That's the Their concern for South worse Carolina this year now. than it was last year,
3: though, right? Not when it's humming. It hasn't hummed lately, but DJ has in spots played a lot better. Well, hummed against Wake Forest. They, they hummed nonetheless. Hmm. So I guess so,
4: it's, it, but he's Clemson had, he's had a couple games matchup problems that, that Florida does.
3: So here's the matchup thing. The West, thank you for saving me during the break. He reminded me that I had a thought that air <laughs> wrote down on this yeah, desk. That's why I
4: told you to write it down. Cause I knew you I should have really forget. wrote it down. So it
3: gave me like five seconds to think of it. <laughs> so when you were saying that, you know, if you're so reliant on matchups to, that basically means that you're not very good. If mm-hmm. you have to be overly reliant on matchups, I, I don't look at it that way. I think it just means that you're not markedly better, and so most of the teams, like all these toss-up games or like could-win games or could-lose games for South Carolina, that's not like like the Tennessee game. They're going to be what a double-digit favorite, probably, probably, whatever they are. It's going to be multiple scores, and rightfully so, based on what we've seen from both teams. Tennessee is a better team, top to bottom. By a decent margin, but like Florida and South Carolina, South Carolina A and M, South Carolina Kentucky, South Carolina Missouri,
4: they're all the same team.
3: Yeah, so they're they're all pretty close. Yeah, and so we've seen some. You know, we've seen obviously different outcomes in all those games depending on how the game went. And some of that was matchups. Some of it was who brought their A game, who brought their C game, who turned the ball over, who hit a big explosive play, and who didn't. Special teams, like all those things, count. So. If you are way better than another team, heads and shoulders better, you know the matchups may not.
4: But if you that close, much. should the spread really be almost double digits? And I haven't that heard from anybody this week that thinks yeah. Carolina is going to be Florida.
3: It is an interesting spread, but I'm with Wes. I do think it's a fair spread. You know, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's that close.
4: I don't either, but I shouldn't feel that way when Florida. If but not you just say saying, they they almost? You stop just short of saying South Carolina should win, no no, 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 no. I'm saying I do not feel that way. I think Carolina is probably going to lose by by like eighteen to twenty is my guess. But if we are saying that South Carolina and Florida are so similar that it's a game that is going to be dictated by matchups and not one team being overwhelmingly better than the other, why do all of us collectively feel that way? Are, are the teams actually that close, or is Florida just way better than South Carolina, and, and they don't have as close good as to
2: me. They're fairly close, but I just I think they their ability to run the football on offense is so much better than I what I think South Carolina's ability to stop the run will be that if I mean, it's an old school way of thinking of it. But if the other team can run the ball pretty much at will and you can't. To me, a lot of the other matchups almost go away like they don't even matter like you're going to need here is here, it's not. It's not that South Carolina can't win the game. They they easily could, but they're going to need, they're going to need, you know, win the turnover battle, Chris. They're going to need special teams play. They're going to, you know, there's there's a reason you play the games, but I if your percentage, let's say FPI, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all, but 70%. That essentially means, okay, if these teams play to, um, to a draw on all these game-changing things, then Florida's going to win most of the time you can now the great thing about football is if you make a bunch of big plays you block a punt you force some turnovers um that's how upsets happen but when i look at the matchups i'm sort of thinking everything else is pretty equal pretty even as far as turnovers game changing type plays um sort of your things that don't happen in every game and they're they're just they're going to be able to run the football which puts the onus on carolina's offense to have to keep up and um I, just, I don't know if they've been consistent or efficient enough to go do that, even though I think they'll have some success. They'll move the ball, I think, offensively. But can they keep it up at a good enough pace to outscore what Florida is going to be able to do offensively from a matchup standpoint?
5: Is Florida's running game, and this is for, y'all, for you all for two to have watched a little bit more Florida than I have. Is Florida running game – Really, just contingent on Anthony Richardson being dynamic, or is it a, or is it a well-rounded running game? I I think it is fairly well-rounded, but also the thing
2: that puts it over to the top is that Richardson is uh, great at. He's got speed and size, so he breaks tackles. It's kind of. I compared it, it's a lazy comparison, but as far as South Carolina opponents, it's kind of like how KJ Jefferson. That's, what I, was, just that's like, what I was thinking. You know, he would fall, for, you know, you tackle him, but he lands two and a half yards every time further than where you started
3: tackling him.
4: But it's KJ with wheels.
3: Yeah, Anthony Richardson lands 80 yards. <laughs>
4: yeah, he did not yeah. yeah. you
5: tried to tackle He him. can make a house call. <laughs> yeah, because
4: KJ's not slow, but Anthony's fast. Yeah, so you know you but, but like ETN's a good back for Florida.
2: Yeah, I mean yeah, they, is, they have they have a solid running game even without that aspect, mm-hmm. I think. But add that in and
3: um it's tough. The main reason that I put Florida as the the game that South Carolina needs to win the most is so we don't have to come in the next week and hear Preston and Pearson professing their love for Bill Napier the entire week.
4: William Napier <laughs>
3: Bill. I call him Bill. Bill. Yeah, like that's his name for now. For now? I, mean, I think for good. For good? Okay. Yeah, he just seemed like Bill Napier sounds like, and I think his dad was a high school coach. Like he he sounds like a grizzled old high school coach, even though he's still quite young.
5: So I just Bill can't. Napier. I'm glad we've gotten to the stuff I want to talk about. I just can't <laughs> fathom Bill Napier's hairline. It's so perfect. It is he Wait, had, really coach. is he has the best hairline maybe in college football, wow, let me say it's exquisite well, he, he keeps, doesn't have much hair in general he keeps it he keeps a keeps a low cut, maybe a one or two on the guard um but hairline is immaculate okay that's yeah. all
3: I want to we'll
4: say that's my commentary it's really good hmm um, That's solid Like not solid a bad team. looking dude I'm trying to think Because when you say that I'm, I'm immediately like Who are the hot coaches <laughs> Like Cliff Kingsbury Hasn't gone for a while I don't know who the hot coaches Are in college football right now Yeah I don't know If his hairline
5: qualifies him As hot no, It's just, no.
4: it's, just but it's, it's just impeccable Yeah It, it makes him look nice it, it, Yeah he's always He always has a shot Because mm-hmm. of his hairline Yeah yeah. He, he's not he, He's not someone That you like Do a double take When you pass him in the street But also if you were talking to him You'd be like Okay yeah,
5: and I'll I keep think he, to him. He, That's exactly it. That's exactly, it. <laughs> that's exactly it. if he was a re- walking the love a re- vest already started. <laughs> if he was hey, walking whoops. into a recruit's house, not he'd be like, this. "Man, look at that hairline." Mm. All right, let's give this guy a chance.
4: Yeah, that's good. Well, yeah, Battle of the Hair. Good, good thing that I guess the, the oh no, is not Shane's being losing this one. <laughs> Shane's
5: lost this one for sure. But everybody <laughs> loses to Billy Napier's hairline.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, you're going up against the champ. Apparently, not not anything that's been on my radar. I guess something to, mm-hmm. to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nah, we don't have time for this, but we will do it. Uh, Preston, be thinking about this. Unnamed texture wants to know if you ever went into a game thinking, quote, oh, man, is there any way we can beat these guys, end quote. Be thinking about that. Appreciate the text from the unnamed texture. A few more thoughts on Carolina's matchup with Florida next
0: the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.51
4: 11.51 on a Wednesday morning, and welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. A couple minutes left, talking Carolina and Florida. More on the specifics of that matchup as we continue on in the week here. But first and foremost, this seems like a matchup that any way you cut it favors Florida. Wes has made that abundantly clear. He think, he, he said during the break there, for those of you that uh, you know didn't hear, he said Carolina's going to lose by 100. thought oh, that was a really bold prediction, but... I guess we'll see if that matches up with what he officially submits to Colin Taylor, the uh the czar of the picks. Anyway. Um, but with that in mind, we got a I got a text here from the unnamed texture asking if Preston has ever gone into a game thinking, oh man, is there any way we can beat these guys? Because that's the feeling I get going into this Florida game right now.
5: Yeah, we were just talking about one in, in the break in I believe it was two thousand against Florida, where the game Gamecocks jumped up. We jumped up to like a 21-3 lead. We had a block punt. Mm. 21-3 lead in the first quarter. Oh, wow. To which Chris just told us how Spurrier responded and said it was going to give us a chance to throw the ball a little bit more. So they came back and they ended up winning that game. But that was a game where, I re- if I remember game planning correctly, it felt like we needed to do something out of... Ordinary to win not huh. not saying that we didn't think we could win yeah but the emphasis was sort of like we needed to block a punt or we and we did it it mm-hmm. still ended up losing against those teams that was also the first thing the first games that i can remember looking on the other sideline and i remember seeing reshake caldwell and jabbar gaffney and not being starstruck but being like damn those, those there they go <laughs> and they they <laughs> kind of lived up to the exit. and they also seeing spurrier on the other sideline. It's was pretty wild, too.
4: Yeah. So this does feel like a game that Carolina needs to win the turnover margin. Here's some money, Chris. I think Carolina needs a big special teams play. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how maybe it's not unreasonable to think that some of those things could be replicable because Carolina's made a special teams play in every single game this season with the exception of the Missouri game. The defense leads the SEC in interceptions. Anthony Richardson loves throwing interceptions. That's his second favorite thing to do besides ADR touchdown runs. Carolina seems like it needs those things. So does that mean, like, does that, is that it right there? Is that the game? Probably, but I'll
5: just ought to point out to anybody listening, there's nothing wrong with going into a game knowing the other team is more talented than you. Hmm. That really doesn't have a determinant factor on whether you think you can win the game or not. So, and that might just be from my Lou Holtz old school sort of thinking, but there was a lot of times where he would lay out as this team is more talented, but this is how we're going to win the game. And you can go about winning the game different ways. So, the talent factor obviously is important, but it's not the determinant factor of whether you think you're going to win or not. So, Florida's more talented than South Carolina. I,
2: I say yes. Um, no, I, and comfortably I, or no. Here, here's the thing. I feel like I feel like we've gone too far. <laughs> like my my opinion is not that South Carolina cannot win this game. I don't think it's. I think nine is about right like that's where that's where the line is this is not a 20 point this is not a herculean every single thing has to go differently for them to win but it's a their favorite for a reason type game and and it's not a three you know if, if a team's started by three or four you kind of go in you're like all right this realistically a lot of crazy stuff doesn't have to happen for them to win the game mm-hmm. um so it doesn't have to go completely off the rails but yeah, Carolina's going to need some help. And this is a Florida team that actually has not overall turned the football over much at all. Um, and Anthony Richardson, I don't think has turned it over in the last... He definitely didn't turn it over last week. I think I don't know if he's thrown an interception the last three games, maybe. Like, he's been a lot better... They
4: do leave at, the SEC in turnover margin.
2: ...at protecting the ball. So, um, yeah, it's it's not unwinnable. It's just going to take a really, really... You know, special effort.
4: All they need to do is reverse course on the worst running defense in the SEC with one of the best rushing offenses in the SEC and force a lot of turnovers for a team that doesn't turn the football over and do all of this on the road. That's all they have to do. And yeah. actually score points, which they've done in one SEC game this year. Like enough, when I say actually score points, I mean enough to probably win a game that will be scored in the mid-30s. There's only one game, Vanderbilt, where they where they would have scored enough to win a game where you have to score into the 30s. That's all they have to do. That's it.
3: I mean, I think there have been some outlier games, though, like good and bad for South Carolina. And when you're getting in games like this, that is where the outlier game comes in, where I think Wes put it beautifully earlier. When you have, you know, like you look at the FBI and it's, what, 70% or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, these teams played 10 times. just going to win seven, but that leaves the three. And so make make this game one of the, the three you know, you go out, and you do have to reverse some of those trends. Yeah. If you're upsetting anybody,
4: you're reversing some type of trend. I know. I, I guess I just hate the framework of this game. Like, it, like we are already setting ourselves up to be talking about this team on Monday. Like, well, they beat Florida, but they're not really better than Florida.
3: All you got to do is just be better. You know, again, when the, when the when the margins are this close, when one team is not that much head and shoulders better than another— that's kind of wh- that's kind of where you live. Hmm. You know, that's where Carolina's lived in in several games this year.
4: Yeah. I guess that's where the the middle class of college football, and I guess uh, in particular of the SEC, kind of have to live. We'll talk more about this game, of course, as the week continues. Appreciate you all being a part of the show. Uh, no surprise, as we quickly wrap up the poll question here, that the vast majority of you think that Carolina needs to win just one more game for this season to be a success. 71%, 13% are already satisfied with Carolina going bowling. 13% say Carolina needs to win two of their final three. And just 3% of you think Carolina needs to win out. Appreciate you all voting, being a part of the show as always. Halftime show is coming up next and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Fireman. With Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome.
3: A uh, recent Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like,
2: the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength
0: standpoint. On the home, home of, of the, the Gamecocks. Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game game
4: a minute after 11 o'clock on a wednesday morning it's the gamecock central takeover hour here on 107.5 the game pearson fowler preston Thorne, Wes mitchell chris clark here with you just uh, about two or three minutes away from talking to shelly smith south carolina south carolina head women's soccer coach they have one The SEC tournament, they're a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to her about her team's season, the tournament run, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Chris informed me as well that it is signing day for women's soccer, so we'll get her thoughts on future recruiting.
0: Join Halataha for actionable advice from the brightest minds in the world on the Young and Profiting Podcast. Author and academic, Arthur Brooks, on what success isn't. The husband was confessing to his wife that he might as well be
1: dead. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's wrong with this guy? I turn around to get a look, and it turns out to be one of the most famous men in the world. The world tells you that if you are profiting money, power,
0: pleasure, fame, you're going to be happy, and that's a bogus formula. The Young and Profiting Podcast, wherever you listen.